you know, no one likes to see butt plugs in action. This is our 40th episode, Tim. I guess we could just kick it off. It's a big milestone. Kilometer yeah, stone. Miles. Have we got one for every month? I can't remember how long we've been doing this, but it might not be. Maybe it, maybe we do have more than one for every month we've been doing it, but hard to say. Anyway, we're at 40, which I think is a pretty cool number. For this one, we've decided to, I guess we're, we're going to talk about a, a movie that we both saw and one of us liked and one of us not so much maybe talk about what the differences in, in that are. But I guess before we do that, we could just kind of shoot the shit maybe a bit about some of the stuff that we've been watching or seeing or cons just kind of reading or whatever. Anything out there that you've been doing, Tim? Well, I haven't had, had a lot of time to watch anything because I decided to go take a vacation with my wife and not look at any emails or watch a single thing for an entire week. And we pulled it off. That's a good idea. It's a pretty rare thing these days. We went every day and we paddleboarded on five different lakes. Spent a lot of time falling down for the first couple of days until, you know, you get the swing of things. The steady legs, right? The the lake legs, I guess you'd say. So that's what I've been doing for the last week. And previous to that, I was so scatterbrained from work that it just felt like I didn't really uh didn't really have the attention span to watch much. No? No good novels? I've listened to several books. But I guess the most interesting thing I've looked at lately was is For All Mankind, which is on Apple TV. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's anywhere else or not. And I'm really impressed with that show. I guess it's, yeah, kind of... it's because it's more on the real side of things. It's a take on reality for a change. Plausible situations. Yet still we science fiction. Hard sci-fi? Is it fitting into that? Hard it's definitely sci hard sci-fi. Okay. Hard sci-fi slash family drama. Oh boy, okay. Various relationships going on. A lot of problems with relationships. And uh, and then, of course, the whole accelerated space race. As in, what would happen if the United States pushed harder to get to the moon and kept going once they went, originally got there? pretty interesting actually but well i've been watching all kinds of stuff reading all kinds of stuff and the top of the list was the sandman series on netflix my favorite comic book of all time i know you've been waiting for that one i have been waiting for this one it's been kind of a labor of love i mean well i guess i'll tell you a little sandman story here I first read the comic when someone picked it up for me at a garage sale and fell in love with it right off the, jumped in the middle in a first issue, fell in love with it, went to get a subscription to it because it was the only comic book I was reading in grade 12. And wouldn't you know, DC Comics got back to me and said, thank you for your subscription, but unfortunately Sandman's going to be ending at issue 75 or whatever it was. And I was sad and uh, never got to subscribe to it. Wound up reading the whole thing in trade paperbacks excuse me, down the road, really, really got to love it after that. And they've been trying to make this into a movie since it got popular back in 1989, 1990, somewhere in there, and never could quite put it together. Uh, it was so 
I guess, maligned or whatever, that he would write short stories about the process of getting a work made into a movie. And I think there was one or two that he wrote kind of about a writer who was disenfranchised with Hollywood trying to put one of his creations into a movie and how they just flubbed it whenever they tried to get some sort of iteration of it out. Anyway, they finally pulled the trigger on it. And before I watched the whole thing, I sat down and I read the first. So how did it, how, how, what was your reaction to it? Well, a little bit mixed. They did the story, I think, pretty well. And the acting is all superb. Like all the actors that they cast are all really good in their roles. But there's just a, kind of had the same thing going for it that the Preacher series did with me. You know, whenever they interpret some of these things, they it's subject to whomever's, I guess, adapting it. And I know that the mm-hmm. creator of it was was fairly heavily involved, and the and the story really shines through. Like the meat and potatoes of the story really comes through. Like they hit all the things that really need to happen in the story. It doesn't take the same route, I guess, but it gets to where it needs to get to in the end, and and it all kind of winds up in the same place as the book. But there's just like some visual cues that I think were missed when you're when you're dealing with uh, people who are personifications of just their manifestations of they're not people they're just kind of like they're not gods they're just kind of ideas and when you read the comic mm-hmm. book that comes through a lot that they're not human and i wish that there was at least a little bit of something that they could have done special effects wise to maybe make them a little bit less human looking like in the comic books the main mm-hmm. character the Sandman dream, he's got like kind of stars for eyes. He doesn't have any eyes. He's just got these two shining stars. And in the in the show, he's just like some dude with dreamy blue eyes, really. Uh, he's great. And all the actors are in it are, are fantastic. And like I said, they get the story right. But there's just like, there's just that, you know, it, it made me fall in love with the graphic novels even more than, than when I first read them. Still working my way through the the second volume of them too. They're They're just so good. They're perfect. And the show's good. Uh, I recommend the show. If you like the graphic novels, it's not going to kill you to watch the show at all. It's not going to crush your spirit or anything like that. It's good. Give it a watch. It needs some love. They're looking to do a second season, and I don't know if it's popular enough that they're, they haven't really announced one right out of the gate, which is kind of peculiar. So you got to get the watch count up, I guess. It's hard Thumbs because everyone is so overwhelmed with various things that they could do. That it's just hard to, hard for us to watch everything, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, this one is, it's really popular with people who are fans of the comic book. Like if you haven't read comic books, maybe you haven't heard of this at all. And the concept of it is so kind of out there and crazy. Some people might start watching it thinking it's going to be like a superhero show because it has like a name of a superhero movie, Sandman, and it has a DC comics associated with it. So you're going to watch us and think you're getting a superhero movie. Kind of, I guess you are, but not in a, not in the same kind of way. And maybe some people are going to fall off and, of it. And was there not a comic book? Was there not a comic book about a Sandman superhero that is not this character? They're related. There was an older comic of called Sandman. That character winds up being a character in this comic book also. And fits into it. And there's different variations of that character. Like there's one that's older and has like a kind of similar gas mask. There's another one that's got more of a superhero-y outfit. And is a like a really out there kind of Jack Kirby sort of creation. And they all kind of fit into the story of this one. And they actually do some of that in this in this TV show, which I was impressed with. I thought it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, there there is, and they're they're related, but not really. It's kind of complicated. Yeah, and I'm mostly familiar with the the old the old version, and only from reading a couple comics. So myself, I'm not really familiar with the story at all. No, it's a it's a good one. I think you'd like it because it's that sort of call it kind of jumping in between multiple planes of reality. It's not uh, it's not a multiverse sort of thing, but it's it's just there's different realities, different realms that one would have to travel to and from, depending on what state of consciousness you're in. You could go between one or the other, and everyone you know does from time to time. It's pretty heady concepts and stuff. Really worked well as a comic book. Really works well as a TV series too. But there's just that something, so a little something special just missing from it. I can't explain it, but it's good. It's just not, it kind of, it kind of has that same, same thing as the preacher, maybe not as bad, like they just kind of missed the lightning in a bottle sort of thing, but you're going to love it. Like there's got some great moments. It's got some sad moments. It's got some exciting moments. It's got some really good horror, horror moments that are one episode. That's just pretty crazy. They do it. They do it pretty good justice. And it's yeah, kind of creepy, disturbing. It goes to runs the whole gamut of everything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much more I can say about it without ruining everything. We'd have to get into spoilers and I'd have to hit our cool new spoiler button that I found, but, uh, well, let's save that for a little bit here. Yeah. It's best not to do that. We might have to do a (laughs) Sandman wrap up, but the bonus thing is, is I've watched the whole show and right when I finished up, I found out that they came out with another episode on the sly that covers two other separate issues of the comic book that are really kind of like one-offs and kind of cool. I'm, I plan on watching those in the near future too. I'm going to watch the whole thing. Cause I just think it's uh, I love Neil Gaiman and all of his work so far have been really good. And, and I think he needs a little bit more love on the TV show side. I don't know if you watched American gods at all. Yes. And I've read the book twice. Yeah. I, I, I love the I book. I wasn't so much a fan yeah, well, we we, we kind of part ways. I, I like the book too, but it wasn't my favorite of his. And I thought the show was just, I don't know, pretty wonky. I don't know what you thought of it. The show, the show, uh, it it changed it a little too much for me. I liked some of it. the The book has some ideas in it that that are in a lot of other books. And I don't know what came first. It could be that he inspired the other books. I think potentially. Some of his ideas about the the old gods have propagated throughout many other books I've read. So it's interesting to read read it from that viewpoint and then amalgamate it with, for instance, some of the the more recent, what's the word? It's a specific genre of fantasy novels that take place in cities. Drawing a blank here. What's what's a word for, not suburbs? You know where I'm going with this, though. Uh, no, that's not it. Urban. Anyways, that genre of fantasy novel, which is ridiculous that I can't oh, remember. Like ur- <laughs> urban, urban fantasy. fantasy. Urban fantasy. Urban fantasy. One of my problems with urban fantasy is that there's way too much sex. You know, everything doesn't have to be old sex all the time. I'm, I'm all for a good sex scene once in a while, but I can't believe that anybody would want to get it on with a sweaty old dog man or a wolf man or a vampire <laughs> every 15 minutes you know that's just not part of what i'm interested in reading i read it for the magic systems and stuff anyways that that is kind of urban fantasy that book 
It's one yeah. of the original urban fantasy. I don't know books. if I made it that far into the show, and it's not it's not really fresh in my memory. I think I read that book like two decades ago. So yeah, I don't know. I have they definitely have got their sex on. One day. Yeah, I remember there being a little bit in the book, but maybe not as much as in the TV show. The TV show, I yeah. think I kind of tuned out when the lady kicked the guy's spine and skull when she, right through his the top of his head when she booted him in the nuts. I think I was like, well, I'm done. And I was out right there. Yeah, that's a little over the top. <laughs> Anyways, we digress. Yeah, well, you know what it did do is uh, watching The Sandman, it caused me to kind of go back through my old comic collection and see what was in there. And I pulled some of those out and uh, found some old gems that I found. Actually, uh, Sandman, the old Sandman, the DC Comics Sandman. Not that we're not talking about Marvel Sandman, a different Sandman, DC Comics Sandman. I did find that issue in there, the old one. I've got an old copy of that, which was pretty neat. We dug through, dug through all the old back issues here to see what was in there. And yeah, there's some little, little gems. Every once in a while, you find a little, a little gem. I found lots of stuff that I was like, why did I buy this? And now it's just uh, kicking around in my house. I might have to sell some of these things, but yeah, I'm trying to tune them all up and go through them and make sure that they're not all musty and gross. And then I've watched a whole whack of movies. I can't remember what we talked about last time. Creepy David Cronenberg movies. I've been trying to get uh, a rewatch going with my kids on RoboCop. There's one of my kids who still hasn't seen RoboCop, and I, I got to shore that up. I'm not either version. That. Well, I'm not going to watch the two, the 2016, 2014, whichever version that is. I'm never going to watch that one ever again. It was unmemorable. I'm going to actually work to strike it from my memory. <laughs> Not that it was bad. It just didn't do anything interesting. And I, th I think, uh, yeah, I think. Robot Not that it was bad. It, it just wasn't, wasn't good. It, well, it wasn't, it didn't improve <laughs> on anything. And, and that's the thing, like, you know, we, we've talked about the remakes before and stuff like that, but if you're going to remake something or adapt something, you know, it'd be nice that the, the good thing is, is when they improve on stuff. And I, I think maybe that's what, that's what, Maybe that's what's bothering me with the Sandman is I, I don't think that they've improved. I don't think that they've used the tools of television or whatever and the, and the modern, you know, special effects stuff to really improve anything in that story. They just kind of like flopped it out there, changed some stuff, which is fine. Got to the same place in the end and didn't show me anything different or use the medium in any way that would show me anything different than what I got in the books. So it doesn't really feel like it to me, it doesn't really feel like um, there's anything super worthwhile checking out there. Like it just more than anything, it just made me want to read the books again. And that's kind of like Robocop when I finished watching that other Robocop movie. I thought, well, this was fine, but what's wrong with the other Robocop? How come we can't have that anymore? You know, he'd yeah, still be running they, around out there. They just flop it out there like a sleazy jiggle rancher. <laughs> That's right. And and go here, buy this. And <laughs> we do. And we're fooled. But no, I don't know. It's been kind of fun just going back through the old archives here. And I plan on watching uh, Predator next or no, sorry, Prey. Plan on watching this new Prey movie. Interestingly enough, have you noticed that there aren't a whole lot of movies out anymore? Yeah, I've noticed that. Like if you go to the theater, to the point, and right now because of that, Top Gun's kicking everything's ass. <laughs> it's it's it is because there's no competition. 
It's ridiculous. No. It actually makes me yeah. kind of angry. Of all the things to kick everything's ass, it has to be Top Gun. I mean, well, yeah. So it was. I watched it and I enjoyed it, but there's absolutely no reason to ever watch it again for me. And I might watch uh, that one again. if that's the only that might thing, be a rewatch. Well, maybe in like fifteen or sixteen years, I'll want to get another really good shot of machoism back in the system, you know. But not right now. I just thought it was nice to see just a fun movie. And it was just a... That's it is. What I, that's what I got out of it. Just a fun movie. Nothing it's, really crazy going on. Just a good action movie. Yeah, it, I think it's the whole Tom Cruise, okay, you got me. I'm getting older. But guess what? I'm still going to kick your ass. That's what it's about. The whole thing. <laughs> well, I kind of believe it. I mean, uh, if he wasn't hanging off the side of an airplane or jumping a motorbike, he's got the whole apparatus of Scientology to kick your ass. So <laughs> oh, That's true enough. Long term, long story short, he's going to be reincarnating and we aren't. Right? I think so. Or he's however their his, system works. I think it's uh, he's cleaned all his thetans or something. I don't know either. Yeah. I, uh, I know some people who just... He's cleared. You know, Yeah, he's cleared. Yeah. I'm not, though. I got Thetans all over me. <laughs> Can't shake the Thetans. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're totally butchering their religion, but that's their own fault for not properly explaining it to us. I mean, if we're relying on what South Park taught us, then, yeah. Well, depending on who you talk to, I think that's a fairly accurate depiction. Like, there are some okay, people well, who would say they got it spot on, man. Let me tell you. They would tell you something along episode. the lines... Yeah, they'd say something along the lines of this. What don't you get about it? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, really, so because anyway. at one point I read I read the book and, and a, a friend and I uh, started working on doing the clearing work, not even knowing that this was part of a religion, thinking that it was more uh, along the lines of uh, therapy. And then after that, I discovered that it was a religion, and then we're like, well, maybe we should stop playing with this. Well, I think that's why they don't like, like there was a, when you remember in the, when was it? Like in the early 2000s when he fired his publicist. So there's no one to tell him no. And he went on all the news stations and was just completely unfiltered and unhinged. And then he mm -hmm. jumped on the couch and then everyone went, okay, maybe this is enough. We got to rein this guy in. But for that period of time, we got like all the stuff out of him. And then everyone found out, lo and behold, that psychology is like the devil to them. And there was like the, the big railing against uh, antidepressants with Brooke Shields. He had the big fight and all that jazz. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And he told Matt Lauer that he was glib. I still don't know what that means. But I'm not sure about it. that, but I know that their basic idea of uh, clearing is anything that's happened to you when you were in any sort of a compromised or unconscious state of mind lodges itself firmly in your brain so that whenever that thing repeats in reality, you lock up, you regress. And well, supposedly, the, if you're a cleared person, then you're more of a well, see, perfect state. That's why state. they fight so hard against. That's why. That's why he had that big argument with her because she was like, "Well, you know, I couldn't take care of my kids, and I got on antidepressants for a while, and that helped me out." And he was like, "No, you just need vitamins and to clear yourself." She was like, "No, mm -hmm. that's not. That wasn't it." So they they kind of have the same. I think they. To me, it looked like they had the same ultimate goal, which is to have people be happy and well-adjusted in their lives, mm -hmm. but they just have a big argument about how to get there. He just had it publicly when he didn't have a publicist, which was, you know, it seemed to, it was a lot of fun while it lasted. I mean, the couch hopping thing was the highlight of 
whatever year that was for me. I, well, and their theory I, does I, work to a degree because if you go to any harmful event in your life that's lodged itself in your subconscious mind, their method involves repeating it over and over again until you either think it's funny or so utterly boring that you can't handle even talking about it anymore because it's so dang boring because you went over it a billion times. And that is actually a method of therapy oh, that it? works. Yes, that that is a legitimate way to dull a memory. If you visit it over and over again and look at it from different angles and and take the clothes off the people so they're walking around naked and, you know, put a put a a rubber chicken in the in your assailant's hand and, you know, slap them around a bit in your imagination. And eventually you can, to a degree, dull the edge of a painful memory. And that's legitimate. That I've like used it myself. So that is partially what clearing is all about. They just added some thetans and some other things. Yeah, I I used to know more about it, but I think I've forgotten lots. I had a uh, reading up on, I don't know, different religions when I was younger, but I haven't really kept up on the whole thing. I know that there's uh, some documentaries out there, but I haven't watched them because I, I think it's all kind of, it's not for me. So I think, uh, you know. Well, you know, if, if the part of their religion that goes after hidden traumas that ruin your life, that's totally valid. Yeah, I think that's why, that's why, you know, when you look at that guy, you could say, well, well geez, that's really attractive. It really works for him. But I think the part that everyone doesn't like is that you sit down with someone and you basically have a therapy session. You tell them all your deep, dark life secrets, and then uh, you get to a certain level of fame or success. And if you have any sort of inkling about not giving them any money anymore, or you want to leave, they're like, hey, bitch, remember when you told me this or this or the other thing? It'd be a shame if this was coming out in the papers. Well, yeah, maybe. But there's the same apparatus <laughs> in a bunch of religions where you, you know, you confess stuff, right? But at the same time, there's like a, a barrier between, uh, I know the one you're talking about, that's like the person that you're telling that stuff to, they're supposed to have some sort of thing in place where they're not to tell anyone, including the police, in most cases that, that you said anything to them at all in that little booth, right? There's actually a movie about that. Have you ever heard of this movie called um, Prayer for the Dying? I have not heard of that movie. It's with uh, Mickey Rourke, Bob Hoskins, and I think a young Liam Neeson shows up in it. And it's about an IRA uh, hitman who gets, yeah, he get he's a he's an IRA hitman, Mickey Rourke, and he gets caught up in something he doesn't like, and he wants to leave and he wants to go to America. So he makes a deal to do an assassination or a, or a hit or something like that, and he does it in this graveyard, and there's a person who sees him do this this hit and it's like a catholic priest or whatever so what he does is he goes into the church and he confesses that he murdered this to this priest which is kind of like if the priest tells anyone about it then it's breaking his his vow right because he's not supposed to say anything like that so it's mm -hmm. a it's an interesting movie i won't that's more or less the premise there's more to it than that but i really enjoyed it, it kind of fits kind of digs into that core moral quandary of you know where does religion and morality kind of differ or, or split in an interesting way, I think. Anyway, a, f a couple things that you, you said there kind of remind me of some random imagery from another movie that you and I both watched. Which one? Well, I believe it's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. And <laughs> I know we're late to the party, but I saw this movie March. There wasn't a whole lot to see at the theater. 
it was either this or the Northman, which I have since seen and kind of was, uh, was not particularly into, but I did write a review for this movie and maybe it would serve us better if I went back and looked at it so that we could have me eat my words. So I gave it two and a half stars, like a, a 50% grade on, on letterbox. And here's what I wrote. Imagine for a second that you are going on a road trip to somewhere you know is great. You get in the car and look around at the people who are on the trip with you. They are all intelligent, capable people. You know they, the route to get where you are going and know that there will be adventures on the way. You enter the destination, the GPS, and set off. You have traveled a couple blocks and one of your fellow travelers begins ranting. You think they might have given you a list of rules for the road trip before they tell you that none of them matter anyway. Someone throws the GPS out the window. You watch it turn into a titty-shaped kite and fly away. The car takes a sharp left turn and drives 500 miles in the opposite direction of your destination. You arrive at a circus where everyone has genitalia instead of legs. You're thirsty, but the only thing to drink at the circus is methane-flavored clown piss. You get back into the car. Pass the turnoff for the place you want to go and drive another 300 miles out of the way to an ice cream stand. Giraffe people run out, speaking a language that spills out of their mouths in refrigerator magnet letters from a language that doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. The giraffe people hook your mouth up to the ice cream machine. A rainbow goes in one end. Chocolate tweed comes out the other. You get back in the car. The seats are now are all covered in kitten skin. The gear shifter is your grandmother's dildo. Yuck. You keep driving. You can see the place you want to go, but surprise, it's just a curtain that's been projecting the road in front of you the whole time as you've been driving on a hamster wheel. Finally, you get to where you thought you wanted to be. Or did you even want to get here in the first place? Why is your asshole wet? Is that honey coating your pubes? Who put fleshlights that dispense cream corn where the rearview mirrors should be? Jesus fucking Christ. Why did you get into this car? Everyone in it has ADHD. That's my spoiler-free review for the movie. <laughs> that's my that's my thoughts, my crazy thoughts right after I, I saw the movie. So, yeah, I know. I wonder I... if part of the reason that you reacted that way is because you had expectations. Well, I didn't. I knew, I just saw a preview for the movie, and it looked it looked pretty cool. So the only expectation that I really had was that I liked everybody in it. I liked Michelle. I, I've always liked Michelle Yeoh. She's... I got into a Hong Kong movie kick when I was in the uh, in high school still, and I was I'm really familiar with her stuff and um, love Jamie Lee Curtis, love Kihei Kwan. I hope you say that's name his name. I gotta look it up, but he hasn't been in a movie since I don't know. He got out of the movie business after Goonies. I thought it was something I really wanted to see. It had all the things in place that we all love, but I just there was something Kihei Kwan like. But Ki before I get into that, maybe Hei Kwan. I'm not yeah. sure how you say his name. As Waymond Wang in the movie. Waymond Wang. Husband yeah, to Evelyn Wang. Okay. I have to say that I'm I'm almost... This is an appropriate use of the word flabbergasted at your reaction to this movie. Because everything really? in it made absolute sense to me. Absolute sense. And everything right. fit. It followed one after the other after the other. If you, pre, if you presuppose the universe that it takes place in, or the universes then every single thing in there makes total absolute sense. And it follows the typical plot construction of a troubled family with a controlling father, distant relationship between the husband and wife with the struggling business, the teenage 
girl who's struggling to find her place in the world where nothing makes sense and nothing seems to really matter. It's got all the things. I agree on those points. And I think for me, there was like, <laughs> there is about half an hour of this movie that I absolutely loved. And that is, oh no, maybe I'll say one hour of this movie. And that is the first half an hour where there's the setup. And then there's the last, uh, I'm going to say half an hour of the movie where they kind of pay everything off and you kind of get a, uh, uh, a sense of closure. And I don't know. I mean, mm. you know what, Tim, I'm just going to hit the spoiler button right now. So okay. everyone, well, we might comes, have to It's spoilers from here on out, folks. Be fair warned. Yeah. Spoiler song. So for me, the, uh, the real meat and potatoes in the movie was the first half an hour and the last half an hour where you kind of establish the characters and th that part's all super great. You establish kind of the conflict where they're in the IRS office and, uh, you know, you've got horrible, bitchy Jamie Lee Curtis, who's like the, you know, you know, she's the barrier to their whole existence. They have to get yeah. through her. And, uh, and then they introduce kind of like, what would you call it? The hook of the movie where... They have a, like a not really universe jumping element kind of comes in, which is really fun. And at first you think it's really fun. But for me, I just kind of found once they applied that, I couldn't help but think of another movie that did sort of the same, use the same thing. So in, in this movie, she's going in and out of these different universes because in a different universe, she's gone and done something different. And this is the worst version of her, right? And she's going to all these different versions of her that were more successful or more well-rounded, well-adjusted, had better this or that or the other thing. And she's taking all the little bits. I don't of know if they were. I don't know if they were necessarily. Sorry to interject there and interrupt, as you said, you weren't going to do to me. <laughs> but I don't think that at any point anybody said that they were like more well-rounded. However, each one of them was specialized. I think they did use the line that that the version of her that we're seeing in the movie, like the protagonist version of her character was the worst version of her throughout any the, of the realities. The least successful. Yes. Yeah, in other words, like the, the Jill of all trades, she did everything. Yeah. She didn't specialize. That's how yeah, I saw it. Didn't, I kind of interpret it to mean like there wasn't any successful outcomes of it. It was just a ho-hum existence. Right. So mm -hmm. she never, she never really, um, did well at anything. It was just kind of existing. Mm -hmm. So I have to look up her name here because I want to get all this stuff right. So we, her name's Evelyn, right? Evelyn, so yes. Evelyn is the, so then you get the hook of the movie. And to me, this is where I'd compare it to The Matrix, where you can kind of load up a program. It'll teach you whatever you want to know. And then you can jump back into this, whatever reality it would be with the knowledge that you just took from something that doesn't really exist in the first place or doesn't exist to you. And you can use that knowledge to kind of work yourself through a complicated situation. In this case, like a crazy interdimensional fight with some beings from a villain that doesn't want her to succeed at all because this person just wants to do something kind of terrible. So for me, all of the themes of this movie, I loved, I loved how the villain of the movie was a nihilist. And the hero of the movie has to kind of like fight the nihilism in herself to defeat the nihilism of her own daughter. 
I love that part. Like all the family story in this is super awesome. But the part where I really fell off was the hook of the movie just didn't work for me. The, the jumping in and out of dimensions I found to me, I had trouble kind of keeping track of why that mattered and why they needed to do it. And then it just got to a point where it was like a contest to see if they could outcrass one scene from the next to the next to the next to make it into this like weird weirdo spectacle, which normally I would like, but I just found in this particular instance, it was just like, okay, okay, show me the next thing going up somebody's ass. Like, all right. And, <laughs> and I just, after a while, I just kind of tuned out. Like it did have that. Yeah. I, I don't know. And that was on the second viewing, a disturbing scene. And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, no one likes to see butt plugs in action. I shouldn't say that. In a family movie, you shouldn't like to see butt plugs in action. Well, it was just, you know, when it came to that, there was a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like there was some stuff that was kind of just like goofy and stuff, but then there was other stuff that was like, you know, someone shows up with, uh, I guess, like dildos that acted like nunchucks and just beat somebody's jaw off and stuff. And there's a bunch of gore and everything like that. It just kind of felt, I know the movie's called everything everywhere all at once, but it would have... In, in that regard, to me, it would have it would have done to have a little bit more of a structure so that I could follow the story along. And then when you got to those emotional moments, it would have been a little bit more of a like it it just it was so jumbled. I think it kind of pulled me out of the character moments. And then when I when I got to the end, you know, I, I, I liked it. So the two, go ahead. It was good with the jumble. It didn't bother me, but on the second viewing, I think it unjumbled totally. Oh, did it? Yes. So that everything was structured and actually followed one after the other. And it almost seemed logical to me the second time through, especially yeah, I, I don't know. the hot dog hands totally didn't make any sense the first time I watched it, but I thought it was hilarious. But then it turns out that it was showing a different side of Evelyn and, uh, and what was her name? I can't remember her name now. Jamie Lee Curtis. You know who I'm talking IRS about. Lady. Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. Uh, what was her name in the movie? Deird Deirdre? Deirdre. How do you say that? Deirdre? Let me have a quick look up here. Deirdre Bobeirdre. Anyways, the IRS lady and her, remember at one point, the ridiculous thing that she had to do was say, I love you and mean it to the IRS mm -hmm. lady. Now, no one can love the tax man, but she was forced to do it. She had to, or she was going to die. And she found it in herself to find love for the, for the tax lady. And then, in amongst that, even with hot dog hands, the two of them managed to, you know, become a couple in an alternate universe. Totally made sense in a way. And was ridiculously funny. I remember laughing up to about the half an hour mark. And then I just kind of was like, what the fuck is going on? And it just never wound up getting back to me. And I saw this movie with my kids. And so my oldest kid she'll she's like me she'll watch a movie all the way to the end and and then decide on how it works out at the end and then my youngest one if she doesn't isn't grabbed she was very vocally going oh, oh. she just <laughs> she couldn't stand it right from the get-go from about half an hour point really? on yeah and my daughter and, surprisingly and my wife both thought it was hilarious yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm the odd man out here because I think that, uh, like, a lot of the reaction I've seen of this movie is like just people just absolutely love it, and and I want, like, I, I think there's a lot of love 
to be had in this movie. It just kind of, I think it, the message to me got lost in the. Well, let's talk. Not, let's talk about another issue. So, ridiculous things happening aside, although who cannot love snorting up a fly and gaining superhuman strength in your pinkies? <laughs> I mean, what can yeah, you not yeah. love about that? You know, that concept yeah, there's, of there's, doing something ridiculous that gives you superhuman pinky strength. Like that's, well, that was kind but, of like the, the fun part is that, that that was the thing that I thought was fun was that, you know, you have to do something kind of ridiculous to get that next level power or whatever it was, right? That was kind of fun. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was at, at a certain point, it just seemed like, a, well, there's a couple things that I think pulled me out is that one, it never really seemed like there was any sort of like danger or anything like that. So uh, however this all worked out, it was so ridiculous that I, you, you don't really, I didn't really have any suspense that something bad was actually going to happen to this person other than, you know, maybe getting her ass kicked. But that was so cartoonish that it didn't really feel like uh, anything mattered anyway, because there weren't any rules to tell me, ah, oh, you know. So let's go to, to a different area, a different part of the, uh, of the story. The over, the overarching idea that it's not a coming of age story. If this had been made typically, it would have been all about joy and it would have had nothing to do with Evelyn. Typically what Hollywood likes to do is go, Oh, we're going to talk all about the teenager and screw the middle-aged person. Their concerns are not our problem. And this movie totally went the other way and said, let's focus on the middle-aged person's problems. Yes. The teenager is there and she is part of the problem. But this movie is not, her. she is not the main character. Well, that's another thing that you touched on that I liked, is that there aren't a whole lot of movies made specifically with the older ladies as the as the main protagonist. Hollywood likes to age out their female actors at 30-something years old, and then you wind up never seeing them again. And goddamned, if you're going to see any movie where the a lady in their 50s is the main character of the story. So it was refreshing to see that. And like I said... I've uh, I've been a I've been a fan of hers since uh, the 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 Hong Kong movies in the '90s before she was even acting and you know Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and all that stuff. She was she was dynamite. Yes, it was it was definitely a good step for the for the ladies. But at the same time, what about Wayman Wang, who was also the same age as her, and he was also yeah. a major player. And at the same time, one of the villains of the movie was James Hong playing gong gong james hong and it's not like he's a spring chicken and jamie lee curtis was in there as one of the main villains yeah i think this is a you kind of got me maybe backpedaling a little bit because i did i did also like that aspect of the movie it was refreshing to see something that wasn't just you know aimed specific i think this movie still was aimed at younger people but in a much different way where it was like it framed it to you know kind of incorporate hey look like you know people are even the older people were young ones too, and they had dreams and they, the movie does all that stuff really well. I just, uh, I didn't like, I guess it was, it lost me when it got too chaotic. Like it was just too chaotic for me. I can see out of the movie. I can see how that would be off putting for sure. Yeah. And, and as far as, as far as none of the characters being in mortal danger as a parent, uh, what could be more harmful to me than one of my kids saying, Screw you! I'm out of here. Never talk to me again. And that yeah, is kind of that, that. That is like a that's you know, that's like somebody dying. 
That's it worse is, than yeah. going to the IRS. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and that's the, the, those are the parts of the story that I was invested in. Like once she got out the everything bagel that was going to eat the universe sort of thing. And like I said, like nobody, you're, you're right. You're, you're hundred percent right. That was where I got into the story again. That was the parts that kind of came in when she had to actually deal with conflict with her daughter in some sort of meaningful way, the kind of movie, the, the movie just kind of comes together all at that point. But like I said, I, I don't know, for me, it was like, if you're going to have a movie with crazy martial arts fights and you're, and you're not going to have any sort of, I don't know, it just didn't feel like there was any sense in, in doing that at a certain point. And then when the movie was all over to me, I kind of sat back and thought, why did all that shit happen? I looked at my watch and I was like, why is this movie over two hours to do this? This is absolutely crazy. At one point, there was even a scene where they ran credits, like you got a you got an ending to the movie, and I my kid thought that the movie was over, and she got up to get out of her chair, and then the movie started again, and then she just got even madder. <laughs> we both wasn't over. We, we looked at each other when that happened, and we're like, "This can't be it," and then of course it wasn't. <laughs> No. Yeah. So it was just like, it was one of those things. I have been known to soften my view on stuff. Sometimes I pull the trigger on a review right after, like I, I like to get my thoughts out of my head and I really like what I wrote there. I mean, at the time it was written, that's, that's more or less the, I still stand by that opinion. It's, it, it's a crazy ass movie. Yeah. I would, I would leave things. that review there for sure. I mean, if you have things, okay. So Rakakuni totally fits with what you said. If there's one part of the movie that I don't understand, it's Rakakuni. It's funny. It's one of those ideas that they fell in love with and they couldn't throw away. That's how I felt about that idea. That was another one that I was just like, why is this in here? I, I don't know why. I mean, obviously they they had a good joke there that they thought was really funny. And I don't know. You have a major fight. That's up for debate, I guess. I didn't like it. I didn't like Rakakuni. I thought it was a dumb scene. They The movie just didn't need any more dumb scenes. I don't know. One day I may watch this again. I don't know. I've been known to soften my view. My first inkling was I left the theater and I thought, thank God I don't have to watch that again. A soft disagreement, I'd have to say. But I do. Yeah. So I got to the end and I don't know. I think my my 50% review, my two and a half stars might, might be a little harsher. I think there might be more to this movie, but it definitely like left me lacking, left me wanting for maybe a little bit more of a, a mechanism on the main hook of the story, like something to, to kind of keep me gr grounded in some sort of reality. I think, I don't know. I, I think the whole response to the movie has been for everyone to like it. And I kind of think it's cool that everyone has something that they can rally around and get behind with this movie, even though I don't think it was for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. It could be that quite often things that are too mainstream for me don't work. Is that one of those moments? Like this for me? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. Like, I mean, I, I like plenty of stuff that's, I, I don't think it has to be mainstream or not mainstream in order for me to like it or not like it. I mean, there's plenty of mainstream stuff I like, and there's plenty of misfit kind of kooky stuff that I like too. But I think for, for me, it was just, can I follow the story? Do I care about the characters? Does it get to a place where, does the story get to a place where, where it makes sense to go? And I think... The story doesn't get to a place where it makes sense to go. And at the end, I kind of cared about the characters, but in the whole middle of the movie, I just, I just kind of tuned out for me. And that was the part where it was just, I couldn't relate and it didn't make sense. So too crazy. And I like, I like crazy, but it's just, you know, there has to be some sort of 
method to the madness, I think. And I think in this case, it was just like madness. And then the method came as an afterthought. That's how the Rakatuni well, joke thing. One man's method is another man's madness. I guess so. I guess so. We'll uh, revisit it one day, I'm sure. I, I'm just glad that there was a whole bunch of people that found something that they could get behind. I know it resonated with a lot of people, and that's good. One thing that was really yeah. frustrating about this movie was the fact that I was totally unable to see it in the theater because the theaters don't care enough about small movies to play them in any of the venues that I was anywhere close to, even though everybody everywhere loved this movie and it played everywhere else. That was pretty frustrating for well, me. Well, see, that's kind of that kind of hits on something else that we were talking about earlier is there's a big reduction in the amount of movies playing. And we're in a situation where movie theaters have been pretty well starved for the last couple of years. They're really kind of going on that whatever they is going to suck the asses and seats. And I don't really follow box office news, but I don't think that this one was a, a big, massive seat filler in the same way that Top Gun was. So I could see that the smaller markets, like this movie didn't play in the town that I lived in. I had to go see it in a bigger city. I could see how the smaller theaters would, would have a hard time playing it there or even bringing it there. I mean, there's lots of stuff that comes out that I really want to see that just never sees the light of day. I mean, I could go see Minions 50 freaking times if I wanted to. It's still playing and Top Gun is still playing and Thor is still playing here. But there's been a few movies that came in and out of the theater that just they were either in really quick or they didn't come in here at all. So I don't know. It's it, it's tough for small movie theaters. I, 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 I get it. It'd be nice to maybe cycle stuff through so that so that everything could kind of get a chance. It's hard out there. And if you have if you have six theaters, is that small? Well, Tim, I think we've said all we need to say. We're gonna have to text sign off this one. So I'm gonna give you a chance to say something. It could be anything you want, anything crazy. I'm gonna watch the purple light up on your screen and we'll see how it goes. I don't know what to say. I'm just throwing this out there into the void, I guess. <laughs> All right, man. It's, well, I'm hoping that you it's said been it's a been slice. a slice. Because I guess I'll say it's been a slice too. <laughs> and we'll talk yeah, to you next time. It's been somewhat of a slice. Well, an argument's not the same as contradiction. Can be? No, it can't. An <laughs> argument's a connected series of statements to establish a definite proposition. No, it isn't? Yes, it is. It isn't just contradiction. Look, if I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. But it isn't just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> argument's an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic gainsaying of anything the other person says. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, look. I... Thank you. Oh, good for you!